0: Hello, and welcome to another Modest Conversation. Uh, I'm here with a very old friend of mine, Raylene Young. We first worked together at Facebook on Timeline, and then you did, we did a ton of privacy work together. We had a bunch of teams. Um, you've now moved on to Stripe. Um, it's great to hang out. What's on your mind?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I've been really looking forward to this Modest Conversation. I've been looking forward to it, too. It's
0: long overdue. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, so I, you know, a couple, there's been a couple things I just found myself thinking about a lot. Part of that is due to what I do and just what you mentioned, like the kind of history of things I've worked on in my career. Um, so one is really around, uh, product platforms or platform products. I yeah. haven't really figured out which phrase is better because I think both are very apt. Um, and it's clearly of- one
0: of the two, right? Or, or both. Or maybe. both. <laughs>
1: Um, And kind of sort of relatedly, like how uh, to think about scaling and evolving engineering orgs. Um, I mean, for uh, for more context, like you mentioned, I work at Stripe, and right now my role is I lead uh, what we call the applications team. So Mm -hmm. we're building actually a wide range of platform products or products built on a platform, and we're also scaling really rapidly. So these kind of ideas like bounce back and forth in my mind a lot.
0: Fair enough. That makes total sense. So let's dive in. Like, I don't know, talk to me about platform products, like... What's what your thinking on these days?
1: Yeah. So um, I think, you know, there's a lot of narr- narrative out there around yeah. building platforms. And I think in particular from a very business oriented angle. Yeah. So you kind of, you know, I actually saw this article, I think it was like published last year that was talking about how five of the uh, top 10 companies by market cap or kind of became so successful because they're platforms. Mm-hmm. And these are, you know, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, Google, Yep. Um, I'm probably forgetting one. Which one would it be? What do you think?
0: What else is a platform? Uh, Amazon, yeah, so you said Amazon, Apple, Facebook.
1: Google. Google. I
0: would argue those, Apple is the least platformy.
1: Yeah. A lot of people talk about the uh, App Store as kind of being the and platform. It's
0: kind of like a as also RAM, though. I would argue the App Store just sells more phones, right? Yeah. Like, that's not how they really monetize.
1: That's fair. Although I wonder how, I'm sure the app, like, it's so, it's probably just pure margin, though. Like, things, money they make through. Yeah, but it's case,
0: you know. It's single-digit billions of dollars a year, right? Like Compar- for a company for yeah. Apple, it's like a rounding error. Like yeah. I, I'm sure that they care a lot more about it in terms of um,
1: like driving
0: actual phone sales, right? right. Like as, right. A, as a as a content pipeline,
1: right? Compared uh, to like Amazon or well, Amazon's clearly
0: at this point. I mean, it's hard to argue Amazon's not a platform, company. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Google, <laughs> Google and Facebook. It's interesting. I mean, uh, yeah, I guess they have very platformy elements, but I think it's also. I mean, they're both clearly advertising platforms,
1: right? Well, and content platforms. Sure. So I think this is actually why it's kind of fun. I think platform is a very...
0: doesn't really mean anything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think it can mean a lot and nothing. (laughs) So with that, I mean... So I do think uh, kind of... Actually, so I think it's very tempting to just talk a lot about business models when you think about platforms. Sure. It's very... You know, we talk a lot about um, platforms enabling first-order effects, like Mm -hmm. the immediate people use the platform, and second-order effects, like what can you enable through, like, people who actually build on top of your platform and so forth. But what I want to talk to you about was actually not so much the kind of, like, business, tech company, high-growth angle of platforms, mm-hmm. and actually a little more what I think of as, like, kind of the joy of developing platform products or more of the, like, product development angle. Yeah. Um, so I think, I hope this resonates with you because I'm thinking about it, and it's very much inspired by kind of the work we did together, I think, on timeline and privacy. So I have four... Things I've thought about that I think make platforms interesting. Really, I mean, it almost sounds like you prepared for this modest conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I could not help it. I thought about it so much. It's also just like a topic that's very top No, okay. Let's do the four. And, Go for it. But you should interrupt me at any time and we can like stop talking about the four. No, we should do um, the four. But the first one was, uh, is that I think it's actually just like a very fun style of product development. Yeah. So one thing I, it's a very fond memory. And I remember this working with you for a long time was kind of this like balance of thinking about things in a very, very long-term way. Yeah. So it's like, you make some change, you set some constraint on your system now. Yep. And you really think, you have to think about what's going to happen to it like years and years from now. Yep. Um, And it's kind of very meta in that definitionally the thing you're building, you are only guessing at what people might do with it. Right. When you're building a platform. Yeah. It's not really a guided product. You're like, well, we're going to put out these like stories and components and like some people will figure out what to do with it. Um, Right. I think mean, that's just kind of fun. It's like a very mind-expanding way to think about product development. Um, I also think you have to be like very detail-oriented, because edge cases really matter. And Yeah,
0: although well, it's interesting, because I think that, and just to push you on that first one, I think it's a really interesting point. I do think it's super fun. I totally agree with you. But it's like, when you think about the long-term, short-term, I always found the interesting debates to be, look if you are building something that has truly solid roots, that you're gonna be to, you know, a lot of things are going to be able to blossom on top of in different directions, and mm-hmm. you, know, you can talk about being detail-oriented, but you can also talk about the fact that like, you just can't tolerate that much complexity, mm-hmm. right? Like, you have to have very simple, clear rules that are not going to change and not going to be violated because every time you violate one of your core rules or change it, it's so expensive for the entire ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, and that creates a lot of tension, right? Because there, a lot of times, even early on, like, there might be things which might make sense in a very specific case, and there's this huge push-pull pressure between, like, do you do that thing that is in some way detail-oriented or, or specific in a specific mm-hmm. case, but then you're taxing the future or the rest of the system, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, no, I think that's really interesting. I think it's also, um, okay, I didn't even mean to do this, but that made me kind of think a little bit more about the scaling engineering orgs thing, yeah. where things also, that matters way more the bigger you get, right? Yeah. So, like, the smaller the, plot, the smaller the audience is, you can play more with these constraints, but I agree, and I think we saw this when we worked at the very tail end of our work together at Facebook, it's like any individual change to how some fundamental thing worked was extremely costly. Yes. It had huge rippling out effects. Um, But do you think that's not fun or do you think that...
0: So I think it's interesting. I think it's really... I mean, my time is I think it's super fun at the philosophical level. I think it's super fun when you get it right. But I would argue the pain when you have to make changes or decisions just slows everything to a crawl, right? And then you have this really tough balance of like trading off... Whatever you're a platform for, you know, mm-hmm. the repercussions, even if you're making a better change or improving something you made a mistake on before, right. you get into this weird dynamic where you have so many stakeholders, right, yeah. um, that it's extremely hard to, like, get things done, yep. right? Um, you
1: can't really please anyone, I guess. You can't well, you, please yeah, everyone. You have,
0: I think you have to be willing, if you're running your a platform, to sometimes, to, it is fun in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, but you also have to be, I think, have a pretty, pretty solid stomach. Like, you have to be willing right. to do things which a lot of people will tell you is wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, Huh.
0: I don't know. But I agree with you. It is still fun.
1: (laughs) I I, I think you're right. It's like, maybe it's more fun in an abstract way. I mean, it's abstractly (laughs)
0: extremely fun, right? And really powerful and powerful because small changes can have, you can debate and feel like you're being productive debating, to your point about detail, like very specific issues. Like, Mm -hmm. do you hash user IDs? right? Right. Like, Really interesting question, right? Like, you know, trade offs in both directions. You know, it might be harder for developers, just making one random example, it might be harder for developers to deal with, right. but prevents a bunch of badness down the line, you know, to have you know, things like that. Those types of things, I think, if you enjoy them and you're building a yeah. platform, especially software type things mm-hmm. that you and I are used to, is like incredibly gratifying and fun to think through. Right. But man, is it painful when you have to change your mind, right?
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> true. And when you make mistakes, like, Yeah. I feel like it's, I think the other thing is you can't, um, you basically can't roll them back you almost have to live with everything every decision that you make
0: right which then like the clients like that you can either do that or you can say i'm I want the the nimbleness of not living with all my mistakes and not supporting old versions and i'll make clean breaks every once in a while right but in so doing i mean you know you have to be willing to to have a lot of people be very angry with you
1: right <laughs> That's true. Interesting. Okay. Anyway. Um, All right. So my first point, half validated. No, I
0: I mostly agree, (laughs) but it's not all roses. Yeah,
1: no, you're right. That's a good point. Um, Okay. So kind of, I think, related. Yeah. The second thing I was thinking about was, I do think it makes you, definitely, I feel like a better engineer. I'm curious, your perspective in terms of like a better PM or like product developer. You're as much of a PM as Uh I am at this point. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe we're also... I'm about as much as an engineer as you are this week. Oh, one. no, I think you're still
0: more of an engineer than
1: me. Um, I don't know. You've been catching up. Um, so I was thinking on the engineering front, I think what's really interesting about platform products is um, you are sort of, like, exposing everything you're doing along the way. Yeah. So you can't, like it's not like you can build something and it's just how it works at the end. That would, That's what matters. Instead, you're really thinking about the components you're building along the way. Mm-hmm. You're actually often exposing them directly if they're kind of different APIs or, yeah. or, or smaller components. And you have to think really hard about interoperability or composability, yes. like how all these pieces fit together, how people try to break it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, it's I was really lucky, I think, to spend kind of the first few years of my career working on newsfeed, right? Yeah. Where like all I thought about was... The like triple combo of internal developers at Facebook and how yep. they were going to use what I was building, and then the actual product that it was delivering, and then also how users, like u- consumers, would end up using these abstractions um, a little bit more indirectly. So yeah, I just think it kind of adds a lot of discipline, makes you just try to build, like, ha- kind of increases your discipline for like yeah. Firecraft craft along the way.
0: Yeah, when I mean, you're showing your work, right? And exactly. The end of the day, it's like if you think about like the spectrum between you're an individual contributor right. with no one doing code reviews, checking whatever you want to, I have a team that cares about code quality and like what's going on, about going how we're going to work internally going forward to I'm exposing pieces or maybe it's an open source project. I'm exposing everything I'm doing right. and my name is signed on it on the diff. It's like, yeah, like it probably forces it. The interesting thing again that I was thinking about though is like, there is a double-edged sword to that, right? right. Like that's good to an extent, but it also slows you down a bunch, right? Um, it means that you can't be, again, like this nimble, I just think there's like this quality, I mean, it's not quality, it's like the velocity of the changes you can make, right? Mm-hmm. Like, y- y- is just different, right? If you're working on platform products versus, versus you know, that like, people rely upon more and more deeply. Mm-hmm. I'm actually really curious, just as we think about this, like how comparing your Facebook experience to your Stripe experience in because oh, one yeah. thing I think is really interesting about Facebook that was awesome. And a lot of people will disagree with me saying this, but I thought one of the most amazing parts about Facebook eh, for many, many years was that it was this massively valuable thing to a lot of people, but on paper, the stakes were so low, Mm -hmm. right? Meaning it's like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? It's like, oh, the page won't load for someone, right? Like that's really, really bad. Like let's not pretend that's good, but compared to nuclear missile launching, eh, right? right? Which meant you could just move at a different speed. Mm -hmm. Um, Stripe doing payments, I assume you have, it's like a little bit different, right? yeah.
1: Um, no, and that's actually been really um, well, it's definitely different, right? Yeah. And in some ways, like Facebook has that luxury of it y- you can move more freely and you're in some ways more in more control of the world that you're constructing. Yeah. Um, I did work on we worked on privacy though, so I feel like Yeah, that, <laughs> that yeah, there was <laughs> there was a lot you had to be very careful well, about. Well, yeah, there. and to be
0: clear, I think, you know, Facebook or any of these companies are so big. It's like right. there's just like looking at like what do you show on a profile? Are you allowed, is that allowed to versus, you know, with the privacy stuff where, I mean, you and I, there'd be tiny details right. that were very painful. Right. But like we had to get it right versus, you know, core ads delivery. I mean, there are like, which costs real money. I mean, there are different levels of severity. Yeah.
1: Right. So Stripe is interesting. I think, you know, in the end um, at this point it's powering you know non trivial percentage of the economy and so there's kind of like <laughs> of, of like a, a new economy right i yeah, think definitely yeah. when you think of like online marketplaces i think stripe is probably one of the bigger players and sure. powering like the lifts and the kickstarters and the postmates and kind of all these new platform marketplaces um, and so we talk a lot about like being very very uh, like careful and putting users first and really thinking about the large amount of responsibility that yeah. we have as a service. So yeah, I do think it is actually quite different, um, from developing APIs at Facebook where there's, a, you know, kind of a core of Stripe, which is fundamentally like secure, like capture storage, use of payment information and processing payments yeah. that, uh, we have an extremely high bar for, and we were extremely careful with, um, and also, we have a very developer friendly stance. Yeah. So I think unlike Facebook or you know the famous like Twitter platform when they just kind of shut it off for a lot of people externally, um, we actually maintain essentially every ver- almost every version we've ever built of the API. Yeah. Um, and to your point, it does mean we we're compromising other things, right? I think yeah. we have to um, be much more deliberate with every change that we make, and we incur we try to incur the cost though. ourselves.
0: But it's interesting is also like, I think that you talk about supporting old versions and how you, I mean, like I would argue Twitter or Facebook, the whole business model of what even meant to be a platform and how you got paid for it. I mean, there's a lot of versions that didn't really make very much business sense or economic sense Mm -hmm. that were attempted at different eras. Mm -hmm. Right. Or is it Stripe? That's really not an option. Right. Right. I would assume.
1: Yeah, I think, I think you're right. The strategy or kind of the evolution, it's been more of a Layering evolution rather yeah. than like different kinds of. Yeah, it's of...
0: like will this work or will that work? It's right. like you can't choose one and then change your mind later.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think <laughs> that's kind of right. Although actually, we're so let me let me let's see how do I explain this. So I do think I think of it as more a layering analogy because we started with helping people accept payments yep. very very easily, and in many ways like that core part hasn't really changed in how like reliable it is and how much we like have a huge. Um, amount of investment in the security and and reliability of processing payments. But over time, we sort of layered on new types of API products Mm -hmm. and like anything from marketplaces to recurring billing to kind of um, different fraud products. And so I do think we're approaching it in this more like layered approach. Mm -hmm. Within each layer, though, something I care a lot about is like how can we still... Be nimble and kind of innovate within the different like layers of products, um, and how do they interoperate? Yeah. Uh, So I think we've actually struck a pretty good balance. Like I think actually many people are are, when we talk uh, when I've talked to other companies, they're pretty amazed at how quickly we do move despite having a very like um, like hardened API. We can still move like very quickly and add new features on top of it. That's awesome. Have you ever turned anything off? That's great. Uh.
0: Like, think APIs you often, and you're like, ah, that's not going to work.
1: Yeah, we... Deprecation is a very interesting topic. I think... I don't know that we've... uh, So, there are things that we've had to, like, no longer support. Yeah. For example, anything around security. Like, we really think security is obviously incredibly important. Yep. So if there's something like a new standard that's, um, or you know, some uh, yeah. security hole that's exposed, and we will have to like turn that off. Um, sure,
0: sure. Yeah. If anything, like I think mean, you have pretty high moral high ground, right. With your developers, and you're like, look, guys, we're not supporting this path anymore because it's irresponsible for us to and irresponsible for you to not upgrade your. Right.
1: Systems. I think that's <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Um, not that it isn't easy though. It's a lot of work to totally. kind of, communicate with you know, a bunch of developers. Um, it's, that's a good question. I don't know that we have really turned anything like off off. Right. Um, but I think it's something. It's a very interesting question for. Yeah, I mean, you, you just
0: contrast that with like a Twitter, right, which you pointed right. before, which just turned off tons of stuff. And you know what? Totally understand why. Right. Mm-hmm. But it, it speaks to like a platform that is following from attempts at business strategies. This is right. to the whole thing about the business of platforms is the engineering of them and mm-hmm. the design of them, which is you know who's actually running the platform strategy to some degree, right? Is it a business, maybe even a product function, right? Or more of an engineering function, how that ends up picking out.
1: Yeah, um, I, th- I mean, I think that's actually, that's, I think that captures it pretty well. I think Stripe in general has always had a very strong developer and tools and infrastructure leaning. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of why. Like the idea is that we put out these tools and different parts of the API and like taking them away or changing them would kind of meaningfully affect our users' ability to, like, build their businesses. Absolutely.
0: Right? But it also means, like, because, like, the trade is so clear you're making with your users, right. it's, like, it's pretty hard for you to make a bet, right? Then you're like, oh, we're not getting paid for this, but this will cause this, which will cause this, which benefits us, and, like, then change your mind later, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there's like so many it's like
0: I'm bringing up PTSD a
1: little bit
0: <laughs> yeah so yeah so okay so that's that was two what's number three? You know
1: oh, what? okay look, I'm losing track we can keep These we can just, or just make up number conversations, conversations. <laughs> um, what was number three let me think about it oh I like this one a lot uh, maybe we, we kind of touched on it a little bit um, I think something that's really interesting about platforms is they kind of run away from you like you don't ultimately you don't really have that much control about what Actually happens on them, yeah. And so the way the way I've tried to articulate this is, it's kind of like platforms. We always talk about they leverage, you know, time and cost and all that, but I think they also leverage kind of this idea of like creativity. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of my favorite things about platforms is you put something out there, and like almost accidentally, you find something that someone is doing with your product that you never would have thought of. Yeah. And so I think there's something really neat about just letting, like, putting something out there and letting just the world and the people kind of use it in ways that surprise you that can, I think, really accelerate kind of iteration and, and kind of creative development on top of the platform.
0: I think it's true. I mean, I think when, when, you, when you're talking about that, the one thing that I always, the advice is ringing in my head is every once in a while, you know, someone is a friend or a friend or a friend or an entrepreneur will like, they'll pitch me on some platform business they're starting. And I, like, always, like, cringe. Because I'm like, (laughs) you haven't, like, earned the right to Um, build a platform. Because the the thing you're talking about, like, and you've, you know, worked at a lot of very fast-growing, you know, scaling companies with a lot of attention on them, is, like, to make that happen, people have to actually care or to, Mm -hmm. like, find some value in your platform to begin with, right? right? Which usually isn't the platform itself initially. Like, for Stripe, you could, I don't know if you'd argue, actually, that, like, the original, original, we can help you collect money, like was that a platform or was that just a product, right? Mm-hmm. Like at what point did it go from being like, okay, this is a product we're offering to the world that you put in, you know, widgets and get out who's it's mm-hmm. right. Um, yep. or, you know, and then it becomes like, at what point do you like, or even how do you define the, the, the difference between when you start becoming a quote unquote platform and then all of a sudden you're like, ah, there are millions of people touching this thing. I wonder what they'll do with it. It's like, right. I don't know. Like
1: no, I think I actually think you're totally right. You have to earn that. I, I think the my description is kind of maybe the idealized platform, right? Yeah. You kind of have. I think I think um, it's actually reading an article about uh, that exact idea. Like, when do you actually get to become a platform? Yeah. And, and, and in many of these companies we've talked about, you do start with a strong product. Yeah. I would say that for sure. I think the original Stripe product was a really great product for developers. Yeah. Um, and, and look,
0: Amazon, which I think we could all, I think would be very hard to argue, is not a platform. It was like, they sold books. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, yeah. By the way, have you seen that that hilarious Jeff Bezos image side-by-side of like 2006 or whatever it was? Yeah. Uh, there's this thing of him from like a very early days of Amazon, I think at the Allen and Co conference versus the hilarious meme photo of him looking incredibly jacked oh. in this one. <laughs> and it's like... The first, the first you know piece of the, the image with the old image is it's like hi, I'm Jeff Bezos. I sell books. And the next one is him looking like Vin Diesel, and it says hi, I'm Jeff Bezos. I sell whatever the fuck I want.
1: Oh man. <laughs> anyway, actually, you know that's a really good. Okay, I hadn't thought about this before. It's a really good point. Like, do you think? So I actually totally agree. I think you have to kind of earn the right to be a platform. Yeah. In the sense that you're doing something meaningful that's sort of worth people tapping into and then you kind of get to enjoy the thing I describe the accidental discovery of creativity, whatever you want to call it. Do you think people make the mistake of, um, you know, like you were saying, assuming that they already, they can just oh, kind of jump right constantly. into it. Yeah.
0: Right. Like I think it's like one of the number one, you're too smart person mistakes, right. Is to like, really enjoy the thing you and I started out talking about, which is the intellectual component mm-hmm. of, like, ah, oh, this is how I design, like, the perfect framework for blank, mm-hmm. right? Um, but no one cares if no one's using it, right? And so I think this is one of the biggest tensions is in a lot of ways between people who are platform thinkers or, or enjoy that framework of development and thinking versus effectively growth hackers, mm-hmm. right? And I think uh-huh. they don't generally align right because you have this like fundamental tension where you have people trying to design systems that they see the magic in they think can scale to a gajillion people and a thousand use cases and be so fundamentally valuable and make it so that each incremental person creates more value for the whole network and then you have the people who just show up and they're like yeah but we kind of just need this number to go up (laughs) and like i don't care that this is intellectually more correct Mm -hmm. it's not going to work for tomorrow right? right um it's something I, I, I've certainly wrestled a lot because I like respect both of those disciplines mm-hmm. and, um, it's difficult because like you can, the, I feel like the platform builders look at the growth hackers and say, you're selling my vision down the river. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> and like what you're, te- what, you, what we're building is terrible and going to break and brittle and da da and the growth people look at the platform, people and are like, look, we can get to the future in the future. Like right. we need to win every day, every day. Um. And, you know, when you work on more fundamental systems, like a Stripe, like privacy, whatever it's going to be, the problem is, right. It's it, that's easy to do for, for product products, but like, mm-hmm. you're like, ah, like it's pretty hard to change later. Right.
1: <laughs> 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 I actually, okay. I actually really like that. I feel like there's so much out there around describing like growth hackers. I mean, it's like a concept that we talk about, um, or growth hacking your product. And I, I. I had never heard that opposition before, like growth hackers on one side and the platform thinkers on the other. I kind of really like that image and just like imagining trying to balance Well, you need those both, two. Right? Yeah, totally. And like
0: the reality is, is that you kind of, neither can survive without the other for a very long time.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Do you feel like you were always more of a platform thinker?
0: I mean, I think I love platform. I mean, I think, you know, again, like I, I studied, you know, Philosophy and like economics undergrad. Like, I definitely like, gravitate towards systems and platforms and then, you know, frameworks. Um, and I think, like, let's not, like, there are incredible growth teams out there that have their own platforms and systems. I'm mm-hmm. not saying there isn't, like, an, an, a thing to that, but the question is always, like, when you wake up, it's like, are you optimizing for this is right in theory for the long term, or do I need to get enough people doing this so that anyone cares? Right. right. And they usually trade against each other. Like, most of the hard decisions I've seen have been the arguments between those two two types of teams or disciplines. Hmm. I don't know. Do you think that's true at Strike?
1: Wow. I don't know. I have to think about that. I I think in general, the company is very... um, Kind of the heart is more around long-term thinking. We actually um, wrote up this post recently just around our culture, and I really like this one section. It described it as... um, stripes cultures around micro-pessimism and macro-optimism. I love that. That's, that's like, that's a
0: great framing.
1: Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I feel like it's very apt. I
0: I was literally talking (laughs) with Jessica earlier that, like, optimistic pessimism. And how, like, that is actually the right way to approach technology. And, frankly, Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, the universal optimists are just so annoying and fragile. (laughs) Right.
1: Yeah. No. And the universal
0: pessimists just don't do anything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, I think – I really like that. I think it kind of sounds like it resonates with you. But, yeah, it's the idea that you have this micro – like, in you still focus on what you're doing now. and yeah. You want to make sure it's great. And I think we do that. But there's always this, like, macro optimism. We're like, okay, how what is this going to look like in a year or two? Yeah. Um, I think, actually, it's – it was a bit of an adjustment for me personally. I think it's a, it is a bit different from I think the Facebook style, mm-hmm. which I think there were a lot of platform thinkers there, and I think I think we got to work on some very interesting platforms. But as a company, there was a huge heart in what are we? What's what is it doing now? Like what does the next six months look like? Yeah. The next year, um, and I think Stripe maybe has like a a little bit of a shorter immediate focus in some areas, but then also. Yeah. The balance is generally longer.
0: Well, I always think that the interesting, the kind of tidbit way I've been thinking about this recently that might relate is, um, I think that the most successful people have this rare mix of being extremely aggressive but also extremely patient, hmm. right? So like like or like I should maybe I should say better extremely ambitious but also extremely patient. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, a lot of people who are really ambitious are also super impatient, and a lot of impatient pe- uh, uh, of people who are really patient actually just aren't that ambitious, <laughs> right? And, like, yeah. what, when you see companies or people or teams that can simultaneously say, okay, like, we can, we can be patient, but we are, and we don't need it now, but we are extremely ambitious in the long term, mm-hmm. like, that's really where the magic is. And it does, I mean, I think, you know, Facebook for its Growth definitely has that mentality. Right. Right. Um, I think strike probably does too. I think a lot of great companies do.
1: Yeah. Um, No, I think that's a really good way to put it. I I agree. I think it's, um, I I think it requires some patience when you're trying to, of course, a lot of patience when you're thinking long-term and you sort of need the world to move sort of around you. Yeah. Um, it's a really interesting point. Uh, yeah. yeah. So what was the last one? Do you remember what number oh, four yes. was? Oh yes, okay. We so, get through all four. Yeah, we gotta get through four. So the fourth one we've talked about. Oh, it to be
0: three. Everything's threes.
1: <laughs> I know. Usually it's three. Um, <laughs> can be you,
0: three with a bonus one. I think
1: you can combine the first two. I all think, right, right, fine.
0: We'll collapse those. Yeah,
1: I think product development, engineering. So very we'll, restart the,
0: we'll <laughs> restart the podcast. Right. We start the podcast. A little cleaner layer
1: Yes. From. Yes. <laughs> so there's one, two, and this will be three. Um, you and I have talked about this before, and so you, I think you know that it's something that I think about. It's just a kind of a personal sort of, I guess like passion or interest, but I basically think platforms accelerate the democratization of software. Yeah. Um, Just sort of definitionally, it's giving more and more people access to things at a lower barrier to entry than they could have had before. Mm -hmm. Um, And I see this like everywhere. And I I actually was trying to think of like some examples of this. I mean, I think there's obvious ones when you think about, you know, with Stripe now people can accept payments from many different countries when they literally just were not able to before. Yeah. Um, you know, we have Atlas, which like people in Africa can start a company within a few days. Uh, just, and they probably, they couldn't have, like they actually write in and are like, there was no way we could have done this before you guys built this product. Um, but I actually thinking more, a little more abstractly just that, you know, uh, this is a somewhat related story. I promise it kind of ties back, but I think of software. I think it's incredibly powerful. Um, And for whatever reason, I feel like there's a very artificial barrier today between like people who can write software or take advantage of software tools and like people who can't. Mm -hmm. And I think the barrier is slowly coming down, but it's surprisingly high, even though I'm biased because, you know, I can, I can code. It just doesn't seem like it should be so high. Yeah. Um, so one little anecdote on that front is, you know, I, I went to Stanford and, um, know a lot of, like, engineers from Stanford. Yep. And there are many that aren't computer science engineers. They're kind of either, like, more bio or civil engineering or anything like that. And I've actually heard two or three of these almost exactly the same story. The story is, like, in a research lab filled with incredibly smart technical people. Yep. And they're doing some cutting-edge work. But there's something about it. Like, they're copying data back and forth or they're sort of iterating on some model. And literally, what happens is one person in the lab happens to know how to write some code yep. and builds some like tiny tool for them, like some web tool or a better script, um, and suddenly it, like their productivity is like you know like thirty percent faster, forty percent faster, and it, like game changes this the way totally. that they're operating. Um, and every time I hear those stories, it like makes me kind of sad because yeah. I'm like, it really is not that hard. And, I
0: agree. I mean, just to like me in this, I yeah. think it's like. So I think there's this really interesting thing about our generation, right? Mm. Uh, we're close enough to the same age, right? Um, <laughs> I'll give myself a little credit. <laughs> the, um, the, which is, the, it, there was this whole generation of people, I think, who, like, skipped all these steps mm-hmm. in what is traditionally business hierarchies or cultures or, or even, you know, lots of areas because they happen to have this, like, weird skill that actually wasn't that difficult. They just happened to have it and other people didn't. And they, like, basically had, like, the cheat codes on mm-hmm. something that was really, really valuable, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I agree with you. I mean, it's not... The barriers and the stuff is more... It, it really does feel, in a lot of ways, more like having cheat codes on something than anything else, mm-hmm. right? And, I mean, I see this even now. I talk to... Um, uh, Samantha is, you know, did a podcast with us. I mean, she, she's a software engineer. She's graduating from Columbia and, and, or she's a, I should say a CS major mm-hmm. becoming a software engineer, <laughs> but, but, um, and she's talking about how like, you know, she was at like the Smithsonian, I think she said, and like how, you know, she knew something basic and they didn't, and like, boom, like she got to do all this cool stuff that like her colleagues that were older or whatever, couldn't have done. I'm kind of manipulating her story a little bit, but the basic mm-hmm. point is, I think you're right. Um. About kind of how these tools are the ability to do very basic things that aren't that hard, but require some barrier of entry, Mm -hmm. right, Um, is pretty powerful when you start unlocking that stuff. Yeah. Um, But it's interesting because, I mean, there is an insidious... So, again, I'll, I'll tell the negative story. Okay. The negative story on these platforms, you say, look, the one thing if it's an open source project... Everyone has access to it. No one's consolidating power around it. Da, 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 da. But the thing about platforms, the reason why business literature is obsessed with them, is because especially if there's return on scale or engagement, which is the more they're used, the more valuable they become. Which many platforms, that's an important characteristic of them. Mm-hmm. They consolidate power, mm-hmm. right? So in the end of the day, it's like yeah, it's, it's a very nice story to tell, and it is true that like because someone in Africa kind of can now accept payments, they can start a business they couldn't always really start, But. Now that everyone can accept payments, it's, like, the ultimate battle royale globally, right, mm-hmm. for everything. Like, no one can have a small local business anymore, right, because mm-hmm. everyone can compete on a global scale, mm-hmm. right? And so I do think, you know, when you look at Amazon, some of the angst around that, it's, like, the greatest thing in the world for consumers. Right. But there's a, a generation earlier, Walmart's a platform. Walmart went through the same thing. Like, these are commerce platforms. Like, all these major platforms, the better you get at it, especially with a centralized service, um... You know, The Glass is the Out Full is a wonderful story. There's a lot of wonderful parts. But, like, I think it is also a little bit... Um, it's it's a little bit incomplete to only tell the story of how platforms, like, enable the small guy. Because, yeah, sure, they enable the small guy a little bit. But they also super enable whoever sits at the heart of them, right?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's interesting because as you were saying that, I was thinking, yes, there's that consolidation of power. Or, um, kind of almost... I don't know, like forcing people to kind of be competing on these higher levels. I was actually thinking as you're talking about the information downside, yeah. I think this has become very clear, right. With the recent election that people have more access to publishing platforms. They have now like news and what people are saying are placed into kind of the same space. Yep. And so, yeah, like I, I totally see the downsides of it. Right. I think, I, I think I am just like a very optimistic person and, I think in general, I think, like, more access to information, I think, will, like, I don't know if it will, like, self-correct or just continuously evolve so that generally it's mm-hmm. a positive trend. Yeah. But, but, yeah, I totally agree. I think it's, um, it is kind of scary, too, <laughs> on the flip side. Um, have you, this is a totally random story. Have you heard of the Polymath Project? uh uh-uh. So this was, I heard about this first, like maybe five or six years ago. And it was like one of my favorite things about the internet at the time. And this will reveal that I, you know, in a former, in a, another life, I would have wanted to be a mathematician or something. But the story was, um, I'm actually forgetting the name of the original person, but there was a mathematician and he, he had this idea that was, um, like, Hey, this, this whole thing called open source and more information is online and people can collaborate like, why don't we try doing this with, like, a math, like an unsolved math problem? Mm-hmm. And so he posted it online and was, like, trying to get this, like, open source approach to solve, like, a very long standing problem. Yep. And essentially what happened is within six or seven weeks, they'd essentially solved this problem yeah. that had gone unsolved for years and years and years. And the way they did it was, like, I think on the order of 20 or so people just, like, commented on, like, a forum or sent in, like, snippets of things they were working on um, and in the Threaded end, messages as a platform, <laughs> what messages, I'm just oh. <laughs> um, and like, I mean, it's a very, in some ways, like pure example, right? I yeah. think the people who posted it, I think one of them was Terence Tao who's you know, one of the world's like best mathematicians. So the people curating and posting these questions and curating the feedback and interpreting it were world-class mathematicians. But I just loved the idea that you take something that seems incredibly, incredibly hard, yep. unsolved, let's say, and you put it out there, and like six or seven weeks later, yeah, the collective like math genius in the world like solves it for you. Um, so I, I've always found that story very inspirational, and I think that's like kind of how I see. That's why I like platforms. That's, that's why I see it yeah like, so positively.
0: And I'm actually curious in that because I think the other thing with platforms is you always think of so deeply about like incentives, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Did that happen just because it was novel, or is there like an actual incentive structure that makes so,
1: that happen? So, so again, um, <laughs> I love this. I feel like you are the. Uh, it's like <laughs> the dark and the and the light. No, which I, no I actually I'm like you to
0: play the dark side. I this no, time. Because you know because know that I love
1: this. Stuff. I love this, but I also think of the dark side. I think <laughs> I think you've trained me well um, because the dark side of this particular example. What was the incentive, right? Flip side. mathematics is an extremely competitive field. Yeah. Um, And if you're able to solve that problem, I'm sure if you're one of those 20 people and you contribute in any way, you're now uh, on a paper with like two of the most famous mathematicians in the world. Right. So there are incentives and there was a lot of discussion at the time around would it have worked if it were not like those two individuals? Yeah. So if you get a chance to be a co-author with a fields medalist, like, You're probably going to put a lot of energy into that, right? So I I totally agree. These things are not... Which, again,
0: goes back to the whole, like, it makes powerful things and people more powerful, Mm -hmm. right? Because, like, if you're a Fields Medal winner and you don't have access, I mean, to the internet, communications, Stripe, if you're selling something or whatever, Mm -hmm. you might be able to do some stuff, but you have a limited reach, whereas these platforms just so dramatically increase your reach... You know, is that the mathematician he's working with, the field medalist, might be awesome, but, like, what's, like, the third, the, the local mathematician, does he lose out now, right? right. Um, yeah. Which isn't necessarily a bad global maxima, but, I mean, you brought up in the beginning of this how, like, platforms, the interesting part is you have to think through the long-term implications mm-hmm. of, like, what are the incentives you're building, mm-hmm. like, what happens, like, you know, you know. Instagram on day one, what are they thinking about? Like, the commercialization of celebrities selling things. Uh, I don't know, mm-hmm. right? But, like, the point is only you do have to think about these, like, long-term things. And then you have to think about, like, what are the root drivers, right? Yeah. Um, but it's interesting stuff. It's definitely playing with fire.
1: I, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> That's
0: kind of my take. lean plays with fire for a living.
1: <laughs> I think we both like to.
0: <laughs> playing with fire is fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Do you have any other closing thoughts you'd like to share?
1: Hmm.
0: We didn't talk so much about engineering culture teams. I
1: know that might have to be.
0: We could do a, We could do a second modest conversation. We could.
1: I think that'd be fun.
0: I think that'd be great to do. I, you recently gave a talk at at, at my company, Finn, mm-hmm. a little bit about. Um, it. And I was. I, I have to say, I was very impressed. I've, I've seen you lead a lot of different teams, but I think the way you've developed your philosophy around how you lead groups of engineers and technical groups is. It's very admirable. We should definitely share it at some point.
1: Oh, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's something that I've actually. I didn't. I don't think I consciously think about it a lot. So it was actually really fun to just like share it with you and your company. Um, A very, very uh, wonderful audience. I guess I should say (laughs) probably the best audience I could ask for. Anyway, Um, Raylene, thanks for joining. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Cheers. All right.